What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sporthouse. I'm your host, Matthew Anderson. We got Rivalry Weekend coming up. We're going to first go ahead and recap what happened last week. We'll start off in Baton Rouge, where the LSU Tigers did defeat the Arkansas Razorbacks with the final score of 56-20. This came as to no surprise. LSU's offense had 309 yards in the first half, and their running back, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, had six carries for 188 yards. So that tells you right there what kind of day it was for the LSU Tigers. They just keep the ball moving. Uh, this game was like watching the LSU throw the ball around in routes versus the air, like almost like a defense wasn't even out there. I don't know what Arkansas got going on out there. Coach O, who was LSU's coach, said that they aren't really celebrating the win. Obviously, they're happy to win the game. This, and as you can ask any head coach, it's hard to win in college football. But he, he went on to say Arkansas hasn't beaten anyone in a long time. So it's funny because usually that would be kind of like a dig at another team where it's like you can't say that, but it's like everybody knows this. Obviously, they don't even know who their head coaches will be next year. And this was the battle for the golden boot, which is one in this game and is now staying in Baton Rouge for another year. LSU will face Texas A&M this week coming. So this coming Saturday, 7 o'clock on ESPN. This game is at LSU. Last year's game ended with the final score of 74-72 to in seventh overtime. Yeah, that is correct, seventh overtime. And A&M came out this game victorious. If you look at a 74-72 game, that is usually college basketball. So for the fact that that game went that long and that many points were scored, Says a lot about that's really not a good representation of the SEC. Actually, now that I think about it, but I'm pretty sure you won't have the same result this year. Coach L's comments about this game coming up, though, is there's no question about it. It's going to be on, which, you know, it's like Cosmo saying it's on, you know. No question. I'll never forget the game last year. We're going to be ready. So, that being said, I expect nothing less than another win for LSU. So, they'll probably go into this SEC championship game undefeated. We'll talk about that later. Georgia, we're going to go down, uh, I guess geographically, we're going to go east to where to Georgia, who won the game 19-13 against Texas A&M. They won this off the back of their rush defense who held A&M's leading rusher, which is Spiller, to 11 carries for seven yards. Georgia is second in the country in rush defense, only allowing 68.5 yards per game on the ground. So basically nobody is running for 100 yards on Georgia for the most part, and y'all know my formula. If you get a 100-yard rusher, 200-yard pass and 100-yard receiver, that's usually how you win the game. Well, nobody's even getting 100 yards on Georgia. That's because, that explains they only lost one game. And for their offense, as usual, DeAndre Swift was the guy that was kind of toting the load for the game. Go ahead. He had 19 carries for 103 yards. Jake Fromm didn't have his best game going 11 for 23. Do the math. He didn't even complete half his pass. It was really close, though. Really close. But he didn't complete half of them, which means he didn't even – yeah, so – there you go. Jake Fromm didn't have a good game, but Georgia continues to win. But I want to talk really quickly here to my Texas A&M fans. You guys are going to be okay. Jimbo Fisher is molding this program into what he wants it to become, and that is to be like a, a really uh, – like being that same boat as LSU, LSU, Alabama, and, yeah, in the SEC West. They have the receivers to get it done. They'll continue to keep recruiting the great receivers as there are plenty of them in Texas. As we know, Texas is a hotbed for recruiting. Also, Kellerman, the quarterback, is under construction with Jimbo Fisher. And Fisher helped 
Jameis Winston go from a good quarterback. He wasn't elite 11, but he needed a lot of molding into being a national quarterback, a national championship quarterback, and a Heisman Trophy winner. So, AM fans, put the brakes on and stay tuned. All of y'all losses this year, for the most part, have been to really good teams. So, your time is coming. Just give Jimbo a couple more years and he'll have that program. I don't know if he'll have them to competing for national championships, but they won't. I feel by the time he's done at Texas AM, they won't be like looked down. Like how Ole Miss is looked at the SEC West. They'll be looked along the lines of the LSUs of the world. Number two, Osborne, uh, who is Texas, was Texas A&M's lead receiver with nine catches for 96 yards and a touchdown. They look good on offense throwing the ball, especially for it to be a wet day in Athens. Just give it a year. This will be a type of game they'll probably come out on top. Man. The SEC championship game is set with Georgia versus LSU being the matchup next Saturday, 3.30 on CBS. If I'm Kirby Smart, I'm having my grad assistants go ahead and break down the film of this LSU team so that once the Georgia Tech game is over with, because they play Georgia Tech this week in their rivalry game, Kirby can get on it, make his master plan, they can move forward. I kind of think of this as like how you think of a the nurse goes in and gets the information or the text or whoever it is, and then the doctor comes in, he makes a diagnosis, and they, they get going from there with whatever treatment might be necessary. I think that's the same type of situation that Kirby Smart wants to have prepared for him when they're going into game playing it for the LSU offense. If anybody can come with the plan on defense, it's Kirby Smart, who was known as the Alabama's defense coordinator mastermind, one of the many of them that came out, well, not come out of Alabama, because he actually played at Georgia, but that went to Alabama, was the defensive coordinator, and became very successful. So there's one guy to get that job done, to be able to figure out an uh, antidote, I guess you could say, for that LSU defense, uh, LSU's offense, is Kirby. So I'm sure he'll be up for the job. We're going, to keep, we're going to stay in the ACC where Tennessee, who was once the laughing stock of the SEC, is now third in the SEC East behind only Florida and Georgia. And they can beat Vanderbilt, which they should this Saturday because it's Vanderbilt. And they can win the bowl game. They could potentially have an eight-win year. Huge win for the Vols after starting. Like, this is huge for the Vols after starting the season, losing to BYU and Georgia State at home. South Carolina fans were laughing at the Volunteers early on in the season, but uh, nobody's laughing anymore. So I expect, depending on, I, I definitely expect them to be Vanderbilt. Depending upon who they play in the bowl game, we'll see about that one. But right now, Garrettano and the rest of those guys just have it clicking. We're going to stay in the Southeast, where Clemson will play USC in the Battle of the Palmetto State this Saturday noon at williams Bryce. Everybody wanted a night game, but USC wasn't good enough this year to like kind of make that a night game. Uh, most people watching this game expect it to be a blowout. Clemson looks to make it six wins straight over Carolina because, as if you remember, Deshaun won three back to back to back. Kelly Bryant won one before he transferred, and Trevor Lawrence won one last year. So, who would have thought for South Carolina fans that Todd, that after that, since Taj Boyd came and played at Clemson, it'd be this long before they ever they were ever able to beat Clemson, I guess you could say, even though they haven't beaten them yet, but like even the possibility. If Carolina can keep it close, it might potentially save Muschamp's job. I think at this point, though, most Gamecocks are just ready for to get this thing over with and to move forward to next season like it's never happened. You know, they look forward to uh, women's basketball. I went to the men's basketball game against Gardner-Webb, and South Carolina was down to like like midway in the second quarter as we know college basketball there's only two quarters well two halves technically so not really looking forward to men's basketball games so but these fans are looking forward to the women's basketball games where they'll probably be in the uh, the final four maybe even the national championship again and then just kind of you know like I said before 
forget the season ever happened. Hopefully next year I have a better, uh, better season. We're going to go to the ACC where Miami did indeed lose to Florida International with the final score of 24 to 30. Sad, sad day to be a Miami Hurricane. I'm sure Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, those guys, Michael Irvin are very upset with the program right now. You you just can't lose to Florida International. But this is a big win for Butch Davis, who was once the head coach at the University of Miami. From two, 1995 to 2000, this game was played at Marlins Park, which is where the historic Orange Bowl, one, Orange Bowl once stood. And the Orange Bowl is wherever you had a lot of the great Miami teams used to play their home games at and during the glory days, if you will. So sad day to be a Miami Hurricane. Those people are not happy. I really wish they would. I don't know, like, Ed Reed, how much he's into coaching, but I think they, he was up for the head coaching job, or maybe that was just speculation. They just need, it seems to me, like to get a lot more of the older guys back into the program as coaches or just really influences on the young guys. But at the same time, I don't know because I don't know that same swagger that they once had. And those guys play with still exist these days. It's a completely different generation. So we're going to see. I'm sure I've been saying forever they'll get it, get it figured out. They just might. But, I mean, they just might not. But we'll see what happens. We'll stay in the south where the Iron Bowl is this week. And as we know, Auburn plays Alabama in the Iron Bowl. This game this year is going to be at Jordan-Hare, which is Auburn Stadium, in case you're wondering. If Auburn wins this, they completely eliminate any chance of Alabama going to the playoff because Alabama wouldn't even have a conference championship. Uh, Alabama, on the other hand, is fighting to stay alive in the playoff hunt. Mac Jones will be the quarterback for the Crimson Tide. <clears throat> a little background on him. He's 6'3", 205 pounds from the Jacksonville, Florida area. This is a huge game for him to show how good he is against a great Auburn defensive line. Look out for Auburn. I can't think of the guy's name right now. Cornerback number 13. He's had a really good season for the games that I've been watching, so I think he'll continue to uh, play well in this game. Might try to catch a pick on over Mac Jones. Mac Jones has the weapons that he needs to manage this game and get the win like Greg McElroy did. And company and company used to do so. Really, if he just put the ball where he's supposed, and I know it sounds easy, it's clearly it's not that easy. But just put the ball in the vicinity of his receivers and let those guys go make plays. And that it's going to be a really big game for that Alabama offensive line to make sure they protect him. Because if you can't protect him in this game, that Auburn defense line will crush you. And I guess that means crush your dreams with the playoff too. We're going to go to the Big Ten where Ohio State got the win against uh, Penn State, 17. The final score was 17-28. Huge win for Ohio State. They went up 21. First, they went up 21-0. Then they had turnovers by Justin Fields. The running back had one, too. And then Penn State's... uh, the Penn State starter, Sean Clifford, went down. The backup came in, and he got them back up to where the score was 21-14. to 14. The, the turnovers did help that out a lot, though. So he didn't just go out and start whipping the ball around. Now, the turnovers helped to put them in some pretty good field position. But they were not. Penn State was not able to get the win. Some things to note here during this game. Chase Young had three and a half sacks after sitting out two weeks. So now he has 16 and a half sacks for the season, which is the single season record for the Buckeyes. Like in school history, this is big because think about the Bosa brothers who both went in the first round just came through this school and neither one of them were able to accomplish this. So the fact that his day to do this, that's huge for him. I think that they were talking about one team. I can't even think of the name of the team that does it as a unit. Texas. Texas only has 18 sacks as a team. So the fact that this guy is 16 and a half sacks by himself is outstanding. He's probably for sure going to be the top five pick. I would say number one pick. Just depends on the team because the team might just go and get Joe Burrow. So we're going to see what happens with that. Towards the end of this game, Justin Fields did go down. The whole stadium kind of froze. 
And I was like, oh, no. Because, see, like, right now, they don't have time for Justin Fields. Obviously, he's human. But there's no real time for Justin Fields to be hurt because they have to go play Michigan this week. Then they have to go play in the Big Ten Championship versus Minnesota, a hungry Minnesota team because they feel that they should be competing for the playoffs if they were not gotten beaten. Then you're going to have to go play two games in the playoffs. So, like, if Justin Fields was going to get hurt, it had to be earlier throughout the year. Also, I was noticed he hurt his hand, his point at his wrist. So, hopefully, those aren't major injuries right there because they need him to be at his best from now here on out, like he's been playing all season. Well, Iowa State's been one of the more consistent teams week to week, blowing out teams they're supposed to and winning when, uh, and ju- just beating other teams, even uh, in sometimes, I guess you could say, tight games, if you consider this a tight game. But... One thing I love was right after the game, Ryan Day, he was like, oh, happy for this game. They have to get, but he acknowledged the fact that they have to get a lot of stuff cleaned up, which is very true, because if they don't get all these penalties cleaned up, maybe even it might be okay for Michigan, depending on how hard Michigan comes out in this game. But in that college football playoff, teams take advantage of those because those aren't the best teams in the country. That's why they'll be in the Final Four. As I said before, Ohio State will play in the rivalry game this week versus Michigan in the big house at noon on Fox. Michigan is coming hot right now. They're 9-2 on a four-game win streak. This rivalry is known as the The Game. So think about that. Everybody else is like a real name. If they call this thing The Game, you know this is one of the most intense rivalries in all of college football. Go on YouTube, watch the fights and stuff that happens throughout this rivalry. These kids grow up. Well, most of the time, the kids who play in this game understand how much dislike there is for the other institution. And so I think one of these schools references the other. I think Ohio State references Michigan as a school from up north. They don't even say Michigan. So this is going to be a great one to check out at noon. I'll probably have this one on my computer while I have the other one on the TV, the USC game on the TV, just so that it comes to blow off and I cut off the, cut off the USC game. Oregon, we're going to go to the Pac-12. Oregon is officially out of the college football playoff after losing to Herm Edwards, Arizona State teams. With them now having two losses, even the Pac-12 championships wouldn't get Oregon into the college football playoffs. It kind of hurts Utah as well because now beating Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game, which is probably what it's going to be, doesn't mean as much. In my opinion, this has completely eliminated the Pac-12 champion, uh, the Pac-12 in general, out of the college football playoff. Kind of sucks for, <clears throat> which kind of sucks for Utah, but that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, in my opinion, if Utah ever wants a chance at the playoff, they have to go undefeated, and they really need to go ahead and do this while the Pac-12 is still down and out. Because once, if Southern Cal ever makes a return, which I'm hoping one day they will, then it's going to be a lot harder. And Oregon, while they're good right now, they're not what they once were <laughs> when they had Mar- the likes of Marcus Mariota and those guys. <laughs> so that's something definitely to consider. Uh, moving forward here. We're going to go to the Big 12, where Oklahoma beat TCU with the final score of 28-24. to Jalen Hurts had an average day throwing 11 for 21, so that's a 52% uh, completion rate for 145 yards and two, two touchdowns. Meanwhile, on the ground, he had 28 carries for 173 yards. That's a big game for a running back on the ground. Nevertheless, a quarterback to have those kind of running numbers is insane. That's almost like Lamar Jackson-type running numbers. But Lamar Jackson probably do that in like 15 years. Jalen gave the ball up at the end of the game uh, with the turnover, giving TCU a chance to win down four in the fourth quarter. But TCU just couldn't capitalize on the interception to the Oklahoma defender to seal the win for the Sooners. These close games against these unranked Big 12 teams might cost Oklahoma a spot in the playoff in the long run. For example, the close game with Iowa State, obviously the loss to Kansas State, and then this TCU game was a close was a close game where they barely won. 
However, I really do hope to see Oklahoma make it to the playoff. I feel like that'll make the story, like the Cinderella story or whatever. And, and whatever they do in their, their business, I just want to see them make it. I don't want to see Alabama. I, I would rather see a complete Oklahoma team than a incomplete Alabama team. But that's just me. A lot of people think it's going to be Alabama. So we're going to see what happens. It's all speculation, folks. We're going to move to the NFL. Got three games to talk about here. You have the Cowboys, who lost a much-anticipated game to the Patriots, losing with the final score of 13-9. Now everybody's hopping back on the fire Jason Garrett train. And this made me think, while there's a great job being head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, the amount of stress that that man Jason Garrett is under on a weekly basis has to be exhausting. The Cowboys are now 6-5. Are now six and five. He's kind of like uh, how it was Tony Romo. Now it's Jason Garrett. Like they lose, I uh, forget him. Get rid of him. This, that, and the third. Like, that, 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 I mean, that just can't be fun. And then he's in the state of Dallas. I mean, state. Of, excuse me, that's incorrect. He's in the state of Texas. Probably lives in the Dallas Irving area, and so he's hearing about it constantly. So, to make you not even want to go to the grocery store, but to make matters worse, Stephon Gilmore, former South Carolina graduate. Or at least, I think he graduated. If not, he definitely went. He probably going to go back to school and get his graduation. I mean, get his degree because at USC, a little fun fact here, at USC, if once you've played sports here, I think as long as you're on scholarship, you can come back anytime and finish your degree. So that's no slight to him. If he hasn't, it's just because he's been out in the NFL making big money. But anyway, he held Amari Cooper to no catches for no yards. He really put the clamps on Amari, and I was and I was expecting a good matchup there. And I, I didn't even get to see, like, towards the end of this game. So, I didn't I, – when I looked at the stats and I saw that ESPN was like, he had no catches. I was like, what in the world? So, I don't know what tra- type of training Stephon Gilmore is doing. I don't know if he's back in Rock Hill in the offseason, but just keep doing it because the, the fact that you're able to lock down Mari Cooper is one of the best route runners in, uh, in the NFL. It's kind of insane there. I'm going to check around just to make sure because that doesn't even seem right. But, yeah, I didn't I didn't get to see the whole game. But I'm looking at the stats here and showing no, uh, no catches or receptions for Amari Cooper. Now we're going to go to the Packers versus the 49ers game in which the 49ers were dominant. I expect this to be a great duel with, uh, like, you know, a great duel with uh, the 49ers t- defensive team, which is one of the best defenses in the league. Versus Aaron Rodgers, obviously one of the best quarterbacks. But that clearly wasn't the case. Rodgers only threw for 104 yards and one touchdown. Meanwhile, Jimmy G, or Jimmy Guapo, or how you say his name, went 14 for 20. So he completed 70% of his throws for 253 yards and two touchdowns. George Kittle, one of the best tight ends in the league, who's coming off an injury, has six catches for 129 yards and a touchdown. Debo Samuel, for another former Carolina graduate, also registered a uh, also registered a touchdown. He went to a really good situation in San Francisco, and he's really representing the Carolina as well as a, even as a rookie. This time, especially rookie wide receivers struggle a little bit, but he is not at all. Him and Jimmy G seem to have a very good chemistry. The 49ers are now ten and one, and will play the Ravens Sunday at ten. I mean, at one p.m. This is another highly anticipated matchup. Uh, you get to see Lamar Jackson versus Jimmy G and this de- and to see if this defense can come up with a solution to stop Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, RG3 when he's in the backfield, and all the other guys. And last but not least, we're going to bring it to the Carolinas where the Panthers lost to the Saints with the final score of 34-31. Drew Brees went 30-39 for 39 for 311 yards, three touchdowns, and, and one interception. Michael Thomas had 10 receptions 
for 101 yards. The contract they signed him in the offseason is worth every penny. He's really playing as a great receiver. And one thing to think about is it's not just like nobody sees him coming. They know he's going to be the guy, the the Panthers defense, whoever team they play against. And the fact he's still still able to get open, they have 10 receptions for 101 yards, Let's you know everything you need to know about him. He's a workaholic, so we kind of expect nothing less than him. Another one of those Ohio State graduates. Ohio State graduates do very good. Well, Ohio State alumni. I'm not going to say graduates because some of the guys leave early. They do a really great job in the NFL to like translate whatever they learned in college, obviously, to a league to become stars. So I'm sure scouts always flocking out there to Ohio State. The Panthers, on the other hand, are now 5-6 and six and riding a three-game losing streak. I don't know. It seems like as soon as they start talking about, oh, we don't need Cam, this started happening. So I don't know what they're going to do. I'm pretty sure they're going to go ahead and trade him, though, because they can get rid of him for, I think it was like two, between two or four million. And while that sounds like a large amount in the NFL, that's nothing. But I think they're going to go ahead and get rid of him, kind of try to start fresh there. I don't necessarily agree with it, but from a from a fan perspective, but from a business perspective, it's like, yeah, go ahead and start something new. Maybe that Cam has reached his capacity as he could as a Panther. So I hope to see him go to Chicago or wherever he goes, an organization that really appreciates him for how good of a quarterback he is. Because I feel like a lot of the teams and fans are kind of disrespecting Cam as if he's like was just a quarterback, like an average guy. Like Cam really came in this thing and changed the game a little bit. Especially with the not at quite maybe quite as much as Michael Vick, but a different way of doing it as far as running and throwing the ball. And you know he comes with all the Georgia's Atlanta swag that you know Cam possesses. So yeah, so that's it for this edition of Matt Sporthouse. Thanks guys for listening. Uh, check in next what next Monday for another episode. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, hit me on the Twitter account Matt Sporthouse. Or just Matt the Chosen One, I'll direct you to Matt Sporthouse. But yeah, or if you have any topics you want to hear talked about. And yeah, like I said before, thanks for listening.